This is Sunday Skate on Sports Radio WEI. Bruins and the NHL. Sure, old-time hockey. Like it is short. Yeah. With Ken Laird from the Kirk and Callahan Show. What a bunch of criminals. We ought to be in jail. That's all there is to it. And WEEI.com Bruins writer Ty Anderson. The sticks are hot. Sticks are alive. They're scoring goals. Sunday Skate is brought to you by Star Market. Need this win, you know. We got a lot of losses. Yeah, we got a lot of losses. Lace them up for some beast talk right now on Sports Radio WEEI. Well, things are going so well for Ty Anderson. He's writing pro Tyler Sagan trade columns at WEI.com. The Bruins are just flying into the postseason, and you were just, everything is good. Every, every, nothing bad ever happened to the franchise. We love the Tyler Sagan trade. Great trade. I think that was the first line, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah, that was first line, and then I said, he's a bad person. So for, so you're happy you Red have Red flags, him. character problem, yeah. off-ice issue. Yeah, well, I mean... You know, you can't just went down the Bruins cheat sheet. Just went down the Shirelli notes after the uh, yeah, trade was made. Yeah, that's what I did. Yeah, I called him up and I was like, "Hey, can you give me all those those notes again?" I, I kind of <laughs> miss. I kind of forgot a lot about them. Uh, no, I just think that when you watch Friday night's game, when you see the Bruins come back, that's a must-win game for Dallas. Tyler Sagan, he did nothing. He did absolutely nothing. And I know we don't want to say it's one game. It's just, it's just one game. He has a lot of points. Blah blah blah. This trade has become a watered-down Joe Thornton trade. Where the player is great, the player will post numbers out the wazoo, he's not going to win anything. And it's just so apparent that you've escaped what could have been the damaging time of that trade. Because you had that two to three year stretch there where you were, you were a nothing team, you were in NHL purgatory, you're, you're clearly out of that now. You look at the young players that you have. Would Sagan be you know, a good fit for the system? Obviously, of course. But you have successfully dodged that trade haunting you, you know, t- to no end. Uh, you haven't. I mean, how do you just blow through the two- to three-year stretch of being in NHL purgatory? It was more like a four-year stretch, to be honest. Right? Yeah. And, I, and if you read Ty's piece, it is, it's well-timed. I think it got good response, right? Because uh, you're putting it out there, obviously, after they play Sagan again. You, uh, you're absolutely right. It, it, what Dallas has done since his trade has been disappointing, to say the least. I mean, they had absolutely. the one year where they were the top seed in the West, and they uh, got bounced by who was St. Louis in round yeah. two of a seven-game series. And this year they've been they've had injuries, but they made the coaching change, and I don't know, maybe they're going to blow it up again. After they this added year. ninety million dollars in talent between Bishop, Radulov, you know, Hansel, all these players, and they're all they're not making the difference, and it's just it's crazy. But your argument is not that it was a good trade or they got anything back in return for it. You're God, saying no. they they have survived, they've succeeded despite it, and yes. the reality is the last four years they have not. In fact, they've wasted. The prime years of Bergeron's career, of Marchand going from age, what, 25 to 28. Chara is now bordering on 41. So I like the piece. I think it's a good talker. There's a reason I want to start with it today. I, it, the thing that the, I take away from it is you're just blowing off the last four years of what you call purgatory. They paid the price for the Sagan trade. Yeah, I guess so. But But you look at it like... He was never going to be this player here. Like, that player that you've seen with the gaudy numbers, the 40 goals, the 80 points, he was never going to be that guy here. Under Claude or just period? Just period. He was See, not, I don't they, know why you, can, why you say that. I mean, he's the 30-goal scorer four years in a row in Dallas. This team has 30-goal scorers. It's not like the Bruins don't have 30-goal guys. Well, you were going to be playing him on the right wing. You weren't going to be playing him at center. I mean, not the, not if you chose him over Krejci. Yeah, but why would you do that? At that given that given where they were in that time frame, Krejci was coming off leading the team in points for the second time, leading the postseason in points for the second time in three years. Uh, he, you signed him with that contract. Clearly, you're building around him. That was that was a year and a half after the Sagan trade. I know. 
Uh, but but I just think that this player, he had so many things that were off the ice that were red flags. And I know that's like the common thing everyone goes to. I don't think that he was ever hitting the ceiling that he's hit in Dallas in Boston because of everything that was around him at that point. I just think, you know, it's easy to say he had red flags off the ice. He's a young guy. He's an elite talent. Even you would admit that. Yes. They could have been more patient with him. And ultimately, it's not an easy choice to choose him over Krejci, but that's that would have been the right choice. He's the he's a better player than David Krejci. I'm not saying Krejci's not having a good bounce back year here, but for the last three or four years, how much anti-David Krejci sentiment has there been? They got to have guys to play with him. He can't, you know, he can't control uh, a line on his own. He's got to have supporting players. Maybe of late, I guess you could make that argument. He's back to doing it with like Donato and Heinen and whoever they throw up with them. But until the Rick Nash trade, even this year. But could you see Sagan being that guy? Absolutely, ca- no way. He's a franchise. He's a franchise. He's, he's definitely a number two center. Skill set between the years, he's ten cents. This team would be awesome if they had Sagan behind Bergeron as their second center. I don't see it. I you don't I, see it. I don't see it. Not because to mention the trickle down effect of when they moved him. Then they brought a Ginla in for the weird one year deal, and they got into cap hell mm-hmm. partly because of that. I mean, they definitely paid the price. Just because they had a great 2014 draft doesn't mean that was a disaster of a trade. Well, I think it's, it wasn't it, a disaster of a trade. No, and and listen, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that what they got was good. They they will the return will always be terrible. I I, I what was the return again? It's it, it's so stunning when you just when you it's rattle it off. Louis Erickson, Riley Smith, which turned into Jimmy Hayes, uh, Matt Frazier lost to waivers. <laughs> Joe Morrow did not offer him a contract last year. And I, and I guess you could you could say Erickson was a solid player here. He was. He for, was. For I mean, a for, for what they wanted to do, right? Like they wanted to be a a maximizing their cup window kind of team. That's why they got Erickson. Obviously, it didn't work out that way. And and you understand that, I guess. But but extra, extra salt in the wound that they kept him, didn't trade him at the deadline that one year, which they because they were it, going they for really it should have. Yeah, because they were going for it, which would have been the sentiment to keep Sagan in the first place and not trade for a. I don't know. It's like Erickson wasn't a young, developing player. They had to kind of just project that he was going to be stay the course and keep them in the mix, which he he could not do on his own. But I couldn't that's, let that's the Sagan deal go if I wanted to. I know Matt still can't let it go. What what was happening with him there? <laughs> what what is that? We talk voice? so much during that show. Yeah, but I couldn't let the Sagan deal go if I wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think that I I just I watch this player still in in Dallas, and I'm still waiting for that. For that light to go off and for him to be a franchise piece. I just I am never gonna see him. I don't think I'm ever gonna see him be that guy. And I go towards the end of that game in Dallas. He scored 37, 33, 26, and he's got 39 goals this year. Great. What have they done? What have well, they done? It's not his fault. It's not they've had no goaltending. They've okay. had one line. That's basically all they've been a one line team. No, not this year. I mean, last year they had two lines. This year, I mean listen, if he's if he's as good as everyone acts and, and he, he they gave up this amazing talent. They should be more than what they are right now. This is five years now in Dallas, and they, they're still this team. I know you can't blame everything on him. This is a league where 16 out of 30 teams make the playoffs. He should have at least one good run. They don't have it. They don't have it. I commend you, but just because Dallas has failed since Sagan got there doesn't mean the Bruins survived the Sagan trade. It absolutely. It absolutely helps, given where they are now. <laughs> Given where you are now and where they are, oh my God! It's but you're you're honestly telling me if Sagan had stayed here, you couldn't see this team succeeding with him as the second center. No. Right now, they would not be where they are with Tyler. When Sagan. you lose the room, you kind of lose whatever you can do here. I you think, think he lost thing. the room? I mean, the I only guy that, that I heard take shots at him after he left was Krejci. Actually, he was taking some digs at him. Yeah, you know, about I mean, him wanting to be in the top of the stat sheet or something to that effect every night. Yeah, that I, was I the think major I think that they were they looked at the situation and they said, okay, this is not going to get better. And I think that when your own teammates 
sort of starts believing that, that's when you're in trouble. I just think from your – you covered this team for the last four years. They were not fine for the last four years. They were not escaped being haunted by how, – how much – how often did you write about Tyler Sagan in the trade in the last four years until this year when they finally had success? wrote about it last year saying the return is officially nothing. I mean, that, <laughs> I wrote about that, but, but it, that's a different argument. I'm, I'm, I'm not sitting here saying that the trade makes sense and that, the, I mean, the trade is, is great and the return is great. No, we all acknowledge that that part of it is terrible. I'm just saying that if there was a time for this trade to truly haunt you, to truly be awful, I think it's come and, it's come and gone. Given the way the Bruins have identified their core, their future pieces since then, they decided they were going to build around Bergeron and Krejci, not Tyler Sagan. Is that right or is that wrong? Obviously, you can look to those last four years and say, okay, this is why. But I think that when you look at the players they have coming now, Pasternak, Donato, Carlo, DeBrusque, all of these players... They are all huge character guys, which has helped this team win games. I think that you can look at this season and say the character of this team and the personality of this team is what you want. I don't think that Tyler Sagan ever had this kind of personality, this kind of character, and I don't see him ever developing that. Like, what, was he a, has he been a problem in Dallas? I haven't heard of any incidents in you Dallas. You wouldn't. Even if, you, even if it were a problem, you would not hear about it. He's a it character concern, but it's never an issue. You, you never hear about it in Dallas? Are you kidding me? That they they don't care about that team. That goes Cowboys, Cowboys, Cowboys. Whatever Jerry Jones is doing, looks like a pretty good fan Dirk, base down there. And then there's Dallas. Oh come on! Plus, you know, it's it's not fair to say they chose Bergeron over Sagan. That's just that's not fair. I heard you and Dale doing that on on the podcast this week. That was they were always going to build around Bergeron. That was never an issue. You even listen to that behind the bees thing. They were agonizing over the money to sign Horton, right? They never brought up. That's Bergeron. the thing. Yeah, everyone talks about bringing in the Ginla to, to. Well, that's why you trade Sagan. No, they they traded Sagan so they could try to keep Horton, and then Horton bounced, which was weird. But they knew Horton had bounced before they traded Sagan. Yeah, I think at that point it was out there, and they were like they were kind of committed to it. I know that you know I was at the draft in Jersey when all this was happening, and I remember talking to Shirley straight up, and I was like, "This is this is really happening." And and the answer I got from Shirley was the most. You know, damaging sort of indictment of a player I've ever heard in all my time covering a team. That's when I walked away from that going, oh, yeah, they're going to move him. Like, Charlie laid in him for, for the maturity issues. They wanted him. He goes, he's in, he said this on the record. He goes, he needs to grow up. He needs to understand this is, this is what he does for a living now. When was that conversation? This was at the draft in, in Jersey in 2013. 2013 and, and draft. So that's about nine, uh, it's about six right days after before. The was. He, yes. So, Which, even in that video, Scott Bradley, who's now their assistant GM, Basically says if he was what half the player Kane was, they would have won the cup. Yeah, I mean they put everything on him, which is Absolutely. amazing. Well, I mean he he wasn't good. It's just simple as that. Like, and there were a lot of things going on around him at that time, and they were wondering when are you going to wake up? When when is this going to connect? And you know, I just think that it, it never happened for them. But I want to hear what you think about Sega again on on trading him. I just think there's too many red flags. <laughs> He has a lot of talent, we know that. He should be scoring. Like, like if he gives us half a cane, we win the Stanley Cup. There it is. If he gives us half the cane, we, half of Kane, we win the Stanley Cup. And then they trade him, and they signed Krejci to the extension. Well, they signed Bergeron that offseason, too. But that, to me, that was going to happen regardless. Yeah. It was Krejci that came next year. Six years, $43.5 million, Which seemed like, okay, we've, we've made our decision. Now we have to go with Krejci. That was after the Canadians' loss, right? The seven-game loss. And then you had two years out of the playoffs, and last year they kind of defied the odds and made the postseason. But it's been a tough run without him. I anyway. guess, but but he's not. he was never going to be this guy. He was never going to be this, this, this stat sheet guy. 
Absolutely not. I mean, it, it just wasn't going to happen. And I think the people he associated with when he was in Boston, that was a concern for them. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff that is like I I, I don't want to accidentally drop something that's like off the record. But he was not a good fit. He was. It, it hit the point where they were like, okay, he's not a good fit, and I don't know if he's a good person. That that was a part of it. That that was a big part of it for them. It's pro sports. There are a lot of bad character guys that you deal with because they're elite talents, and he is one. He's a he's a rare thirty five yeah. to forty goal scorer in the league. You're telling me if he wasn't a free agent, if he was a free agent this offseason, the Bruins signed him. You wouldn't write. This is going to be an amazing lineup coming no. up next year with Tyler Sagan as their number. two I mean, center. maybe maybe it's different now with with Cassidy being the coach, but I. I well, that helps. That yeah. would help for sure. Absolutely. I don't doubt there was some Claude factor going on there. Yeah, I just think that, you know, I, I, the, the whole thing about the piece is simply that it's, it's easier to stomach it now because of the fact that you are what you are and you've identified this next core. Like, you, this trade should have killed you. You should not have a future right now. But you've agreed. If anything, They've done an amazing job of If overcoming. anything, it helped you figure out what your next future was going to be. I think that they're in a better situation now with all the pieces they have versus when they had Sagan, Hamilton, and Rask as their, as their one, two, three of the future. Well, let's really say do. they don't win a cup. Sure. It's possible they get bounced in round whatever, one, two, even make it to the conference finals this year. Chara plays another year or two and retires. Bergeron's never the elite player in the, in the next couple of years he has been, even this year. They, you're going to look back on it and say, yeah, the Sagan trade was no big deal. They survived yes. it. Yes. Those, those two years out of the playoffs, no problem. They retooled and they had one last good run, even though they wasted like the prime four years of Bergeron's career, Marchand's career, Chara at age 36 through 40. No problem. No big deal. Yes, absolutely. Because you That's keep doing amazing. this thing. You keep applying the Dallas metrics to Sagan in Boston. It wasn't happening here. I'm serious. It, it he absolutely was a pretty wasn't good happening. player here. He was, other than the cup finals of yeah, 2013. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, he was, he was a factor in 2011. I, I, he never, he never took the game seriously enough, and I, and I don't think that, I don't think that the light ever would have gone off here because I think he needed that wake up call of being moved. You know, they, they, they screamed at him, they yelled at him, they said, "You got to do this, you got to do that." I, I, there was never the buy in. There was, there was never the buy in from the player. And if that doesn't happen, you're not going to do anything. All right, Sunday skate presented by Star Market, Ken Laird and Ty Anderson. Uh, we're talking about Tyler Sagan again because Ty wrote about it. And uh, I think it was a pretty good piece. Check it out at WEI.com. The uh, headline is uh, what? I don't know. It's Bruins, Bruins somehow some... sur- escaped being haunted by Sagan trade. There it is. So do you agree with Ty? 617-779-7937. It's a week where the Bruins clinch a playoff berth. They blew two games where they had leads and got points. On a normal week, if they had all their guys in the lineup, you might nitpick and criticize that and etc., uh, uh, etc. Et but... Playing without the players they are, there's nothing negative really to spin. I, 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 other than maybe the play of, of Carlo in the Monday game against Columbus. That was rough. Which was pretty bad. Is there? I mean, it is all pretty much sunshine with this team right now. They, uh, I'd like to you know come in here and battle with you other than you know the Sagan trade from 2013. But, yeah, it's a lot of fun, right? But Five they, years late. But they are rolling right now in a way that is not expected with the guys they're missing, and it's got to help them in the postseason with uh, getting some minutes for, for young guys who are put in higher roles. Yeah, that's the thing. I sort of said the St. Louis game, if you lose that game two weeks ago, you're upset about it, and I said, you know, tonight it's a big bull or whatever. You know, you, the fact that you got a point out of that game is, you know, miraculous in my opinion, given how badly uh, you were outplayed in the third period, in my opinion. So, yeah, they're, they're finding ways to... You know they they blow the two goal lead against Columbus. They 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 lose in the third period, or they give up the game tying goal in the third period in, in St. Louis. But that is cause for concern in a way. Uh, but at the same time, I mean, you, you look at who they're playing. 
Columbus is the best team in the NHL right now, in my opinion. They're, they're just absolutely rolling teams. Uh, and then St. Louis, that's, des- that's a desperate team. And I thought Friday when Ben makes it 2 nothing before the end of the second period, I go, okay, this game's could over. easily packed it in. Yeah. I'm like, yep, sit everybody. That, thir- I, that third period, I want to see 20 minutes of Wingles, Gianta, and Corrali. <laughs> like, don't play anybody. And, you know, for them to come out and, and have these efforts and, and find ways to steal points, you know, that's the biggest thing right now. Like, Tampa Bay is within reach again. You know, every time we're ready to say, okay, the one seed is, is out the window, forget about it, it seems that this team, they find a way to, to, to win a game or to get a point. Tampa Bay loses last night to the Devils. You're yep. back within uh, four points, and you have two games in hand again as well. So Thursday night, yeah. the next meeting. Now, that's sort of, now that is the biggest game of the season until the next biggest game of the season. But it is sort of remarkable that, that this team, I mean, they, they just don't die. They don't quit. It, it's unbelievable. They had some awesome goals in that win Friday night, the Schaller goal. Oh. On the two-on-one shorthand. So was, pretty. Uh, you know, you want to mock him for being on, basically it's the third line right now, Schaller, Corrali, and, and Achari, but that's unreal talent from a guy like you'd expect none of that from. And, and obviously their big stars coming through again, Posternock and Marchand, uh, after a, a brutal face-off, uh, icing penalty on... Uh, Finally hurt them, right? They, oh, took, they, they did about 15 of them during the game. and Like 38 seconds to go or whatever, and then they get pinned in and, and blow it. You know what I love about that play, too? And, and I was going to bring this up when we were talking about the whole... Sagan thing. You put Krejci out there instead of Riley Nash, and, and Bruce Cassidy after the game says, well, it's winning time. We want to win that game, so that's why we do that. And it's like, it's when you have those players and you instill that confidence in players that you, you, we're going to put you out there. You don't play together, but we're going to put you out there. I mean, that can really be a game-changing, a, a dynamic-changing team, uh, you know, event for this team in a lot of ways that, you know, you're putting these players in spots where they're expected to produce, and they do. You know, I think that's what you need I wrote about this, that when it comes back to this team right now and how they're stealing points, how they're winning games, it's on the back of the, backs of the players that you need to produce, I think, come postseason time. David Krejci, Brad Marchand, David Pasternak, you need these guys to be doing the things that they're doing now in April and May. So if you're doing it now, I think it kind of builds the confidence that they can get it done in April. I think that was the big thing for this team in, in years past is that you didn't get – last year you didn't get the best out of Pasternak in the postseason. I think he was overwhelmed by the moment. So if you can find a way to sort of try to simulate those simulate those moments now, you know, you'll be better off for it. The remaining schedule for Tampa, I mean, other than those two Bruins games, they, they basically are going to have to stumble and lose a couple more. They play Buffalo, uh, Arizona, the Rangers, Carolina. Nashville's the only tough team they've got. Like last week, I didn't we realize the schedule was that bad. It's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. I, I can't. I'm flip flopping every week. Last week, I thought the Bruins could overcome it for the number one seed. This week, it doesn't look that promising. Um, Tampa's was like 12 2 and 1 over the last 15 or something before losing last night. That being said, I don't even know that, you know, the teams that you would play if you got the one seed, Jersey's pretty hot right now. Whoever they play, you would spit it into, oh, this is not going to be a pushover, right? It's either going to be Philly, Jersey, or Columbus, who you just lost to Monday. Yeah. Uh, you would take the Bruins in, in all three of those matchups, but it wouldn't be a, a slam dunk by any means. No, that's that's a real that's a real point that I think uh, I'm starting to come around to as well. Right, I saw it for the longest time. I saw it being the Islanders, you know, and I was like, oh, you can smoke the Islanders. Now the Islanders have fallen way out of it. They're not even close to to being a threat. So you're talking about those teams you mentioned. Columbus had won ten in a row. Yeah, and that's that. I mean, you lost. played Bobrovsky pretty well, I think, throughout his career. I, I think you've you've really found a way to beat him. It's just a matter of do you really want to play a team that's at their absolute hottest stretch right. coming right into the postseason? That's why I think Toronto is a better matchup for them. You know, it's one of those things, though. I think that I, I like you. I flip flop on it. Like, what is the best way? Like, you know, I'm not crazy about the teams you'd face if you were the number one seed, but I think that the fact that you'd have home ice is such a 
big thing in the NHL, especially when you have the Chara McAvoy pairing and the Bergeron line. You can you can put those five guys out there at any point in the game. That's 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 can really change what you can do. I think as a team. Well, for instance, Thursday, if that's the game of the year now, Tampa, Boston, Thursday night. Which of the injured players are bubble decisions that you might? If you really need the one seed, if you're going to push for it, that they would play. Like, is Chara close enough? He's supposedly day to day every day. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I would if he is close. I mean, if we're assuming that Bergeron is back tonight against yep. the Wild, uh, then yes, McAvoy won't be back. We nope. pretty much know that. Yeah, and that's, I'm okay with. He's the most important piece to their postseason plans. McAvoy is. You need that right side breakout. You need what he can do. I think against other teams' top pairings. Uh, so, yeah, I would say Chara is that guy. At the same time, we saw how they handled the Lightning last week without Chara. So maybe they can do that again. You know, I talked about this on the podcast, and, and I'm still waiting. I think Friday was a pretty good game, but I'm still waiting for that game where Brandon Carlo really cements himself as a as a member of this defensive rotation come playoff time. I'm still waiting for I it. I don't think he's a lot to play at all, at all, right? With as good as the Kevin Miller pairing has been. That's the thing. I mean, when, when you get McAvoy and Chara back, does Carlo play? He doesn't play if I was the coach. No, I mean, I, I, that's the thing. I mean, it's really hard to kind of sit there and say, okay, he's really cemented himself as as having a role in this lineup. I just think that when you're that big, you got to have some nastiness to you. You know, he gets bodied off pucks constantly. He he gets beat in front of the net. People like people dummy him it's all the time. It's got to be a confidence issue now too. It's got to spiraled into uh, he, he's not. Oh yeah, and, sure of his game anymore. I I just I've never seen a player who. He he looked so promising last year, and, and he was never an offensive dynamo. I'm not trying to say that he should be, but his offensive game has fallen off a cliff. He can't even lead a breakout. He can't even take a shot on goal, it seems. It's just it's crazy how quickly the confidence has sort of faded out of frame for him, and it's really hurt him, I think, you know, in, in regards to his, his lineup status, if you will. I think that, you know, I look at it right now. I can't say that I'm going to sit here. Um, I can't say I'm going to sit Nick Holden. I, I, I can't. I, I think... You can make the case for it, but Cassie's giving him 25 minutes a night, basically. Yep. You're going to tell me that that's suddenly not going to be good enough to play in the postseason? No way. It's crazy. No, and so it would basically come down to Holden, Carlo, and like McQuaid, I guess, right, to be in there for the third pair? Yeah, exactly. Whoever's playing with Krug. Yes. Krug's partner. Yeah, exactly. So, and yeah, you're not touching that Grizzly-Miller pairing. I mean, those guys, they shut down the Sagan line, which is pretty remarkable that they were able to do that, I think, given the fact well, that— it's an elite defensive pair. Well, yes, but of course. When they shut down Sagan, yeah, good. Yeah, it, it, but it's, it's realistic, that's your third pairing, right? And, and they're out yeah. there, they're shutting down a, a first line in a, in a game that that team must win. So I, I think that, you know, that that's, Grizzlick has cemented himself. He's not leaving this lineup. There's absolutely no way The only he can time he looked lineup. bad this week was the overtime winner uh, in St. Louis where he was, there were a lot of gap there. He was backpedaling, but the overtime's so weird. That's what I mean. Yeah, it's, it's, so, it's so hard to analyze it in overtime because one one wrong stride and you're all of a sudden you're going the other way. All right. I want to hear some uh, listeners, some fans' uh, thoughts on the Sagan trade. Now, looking back on it through the prism of the Bruins are back, they've wiped away a lot of the misery of the last four years, at least, as you would say, like two of those four years not, not making the playoffs. Last year was a pretty feel-good season for them, even though they fired Claude, but, you know, it ended on a high note. Uh, but three of the years were pretty tough, losing to the Canadians, obviously, in seven games, and then the two years out of the postseason. Ty writes that uh, the Sagan trade, they're fine without him, and uh, they've escaped being haunted by it. Do you agree, all these years later, Sagan, of course, uh, on the other side of the ice, on Friday night in the 3-2 comeback win, 617-779-7937. Got some more regulars lined up, and uh, Dennis in Beverly, first in, talking about the Sagan trade. What's up, Dennis? How's it going, guys? How are you? Good, good. I just thought, I think there's 
some serious, serious discounting this trade going on here with your uh, partner's viewpoint. And here's, here's where I'm at with this, all right? Granted, the, the way the Bros are playing now and the young prospects they have does lessen the blow, but I think it's just it's getting brushed off. You're talking about a guy that was the number two pick overall. They gave up. They got nothing in return. And I used to try to force myself to like the trade. But there was nothing. We got nothing back, right? No picks back or nothing. No future plays. There's nothing left on the roster. And the other thing that's being left out of the equation is his last year here, he got 29 goals. Right. What's your rebuttal, Ty? I agree. Well, he didn't have 29 goals his final year here. He got he was terrible in that regular season. There's a lockout shortened season. Keep in mind, he was a disaster in, in the Swiss League for them. Yeah, so his oh, final, that was the short year. That was the 40. Yeah, that's but he right, was still. That's right, he, that's right. I mean, he still wasn't. They had questions in that regular season. It was the year before he had 29 goals. Yeah, of course. And then he disappeared in the postseason, which was great. He was uh, he was too busy with the nightlife of the of the all day game series against the Capitals to uh, be a factor. Oh, was in the that postseason. confirmed? The Washington series is on him now too. Well, look at that. He's out partying at, too late. Listen, look at that. Look at that series. Okay, it's like five. You day just games. don't want to blame Rask for anything. No. Rask, he wasn't even there for that series. What is wrong with you? He was on the shelf for that whole series, basically. Why was he on the shelf? Uh, he pulled his groin or something. Uh-huh. Like that. That, that's where they had Typical. to bring in Marty Turco. Uh-huh. Yeah. No, but you look at that series. I, I think that that was a five. That was like four day games. He was terrible in that series, and I was like, hmm, I wonder why he's but so bad. Did he have the game winning goal against Game Six against the Caps though? Uh, yeah, maybe. Maybe was that a day game? Was that a night game? <laughs> what, are, is this Intel or is this just? Listen, listen. Trashing what, what, the character of Tyler. What, what is Intel and what is not Intel is not is neither here nor there. No, but I think that listen, yeah, that that twenty nine goal season that was good, and then he immediately sort of regressed. It felt like, and I just think that they were waiting. You could for see that. the talent, though. I mean, they he even could. talk about it in that video. Nobody denies his elite no. scoring ability. They just kept bringing it up. Doesn't of course the character stuff, red flags, and he's not progressing in the areas that we would like. Whatever the physical play, et cetera, et cetera. But the bail on him after three years, it is weird. The trade return, uh Dennis mentioned what they got back. No picks, no future players. I could see how they wouldn't want that at that time. They wanted NHL caliber players because it was a go-for-it mode. But if that's the case, and all you got is Erickson and three other what turned out to be disaster. Well, I don't know. Riley Smith turns out to be something decent, I guess, with Florida. You didn't didn't maximize it, I guess I would say. Clearly. They got you know the four quarters on the dollar uh, exchange for it. and It's tough to defend that. But you're trying, which I commend you for. Thank you. Maria in Watertown's next. What's up, Maria? Hi, guys. How are you this morning? Pretty good. Hey. Um, just quickly, you know, every time we play the Dallas Stars, this, this revisionist history drives me flipping crazy. The, the, the reality is, is that um, they didn't get enough for Tyler Sagan, and the deal was made by a guy who I wouldn't let run my youth hockey league at this point in time. But here, here are the things that went wrong, which I think the Bruins need to take responsibility for with regard to Tyler Sagan is you knew about this kid's character prior to drafting him, why you didn't set parameters around where this kid was going to live, what he was going to do, who he was going to be doing with is, is beyond crazy. When Sidney Crosby came into the league, he lived with Mario Lemieux for a period of time before he was able to go out on his own. So for that, the Bruins have to find, you know, take their responsibility in. And the reality is when they made the deal, it wasn't just Peter Shirelli sitting in that room. It nearly was in that room. Sweeney was in that room. All these other scouts were in that room. Why didn't anybody try to stop it? Now, I unless unless Maria, unless Maria, they all thought your guy Shirelli would have gotten something decent in return. So they were. 
there, therein is the crux of the argument. I, Frank, me, I don't think Tyler Sagan is ever going to be on a team or part of a team that wins a Stanley Cup. That's just my instinct. There are guys like that in the league, but therein lies the problem. You traded a, a commodity for nothing. He did the same thing with Johnny Boychuk, which is why this guy shouldn't be running NHL teams because he look at what he's done in Edmonton right now. It's he might it's not be in Edmonton very much longer. Deal. Yeah. No, I don't think so. I think at the end of the season he should be done if they have any smarts at all. But you know, the the, the again, did we have to go through some growing pains? Yes, we did. Am I happy in the place that I'm in right now with this team? Damn straight I am. I would be much rather be here than worrying about what this kid is doing off the ice or when he's going to grow up and be the NHL star that he needs to be. You want to just say that Tyler's uh, the tie is absolutely wrong just to end the call, Maria? That would make oh, me come happy. on. Say it. No. Say it. <laughs> no, he can still beat me up about Tory Krug, although they did okay without him in the lineup the other night. So. You still want him there, though. Game one, you need him. If only they had had uh, Sagan living with uh, Jeremy Jacobs, like uh, Crosby stayed with Lemieux. That would have solved the whole thing. Did you blame Chloe Commuting for Buffalo? Yeah. Uh, no, I, I, I just... She's got a point. I mean, Chloe, you know, you could have dis- policed the player a little bit. Uh, oh, little no bit doubt. No doubt. I mean, and I think that was something that they had suggested, that the player or the players that needed to be involved were not on board with having this player stay with them or vice versa, whatever the case may have been. I mean... Yeah, they could have handled it differently, and and that's sort of I think the point that I'm that I'm trying to make is that after the fallout of that, it's not something they wanted to do. They didn't want to trade this player. In the, in the immediate fallout, though, they sort of had to identify: okay, are these players that can work here? Can 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 this culture work for them, or or can our culture work for these players? And I think you've seen that with some of the picks that they've made and some of the picks that they haven't made. I think it's some of the players that they've sort of passed on and and, and been crucified for. I mean set off similar red flags, I think, in a lot of ways, or, or they were worried about certain characters, certain elements of, of a certain player's personality. I don't want to get into the postmortem, DJ. Yeah, well, DJ was not uh, uh, pro this trade, I don't think. Your predecessor, I'm not sure who was. You may be the only one, first one in the history of the city that's spinning it positively. But anyway, coming up, I want to get back to Neely. Because on the podcast this week, Dale got very offended that you gave Cam Neely any criticism. Actually, it wasn't... Regarding Sagan, it was something else. We'll talk about that coming up, though. Sunday Skate continues here on Sports Radio WEI. Kent Laird and Ty Anderson were presented by Star Market. And uh, Sagan on the table. Obviously, the Bruins getting ready here for the uh, stretch run. Two weeks left as they try to catch Tampa for the top seed in the Atlantic Division. Listening to Sunday Skate with Ken Laird from the Kirk and Callahan Show and WEI.com Bruins writer Ty Anderson. Sunday Skate is brought to you by Star Market on Sports Radio WEI. When when the GM comes in, trades with Zach Ronaldo, and and that had to have been Neely, right? Like, no, stop that. Well, no, no, I'm no not you're not going like, to blame Neely when they screw something up and and say Sweeney gets the credit when they get something right. Yeah, Don Sweeney's the general manager. Yeah. stop with that crap that gets thrown around in this town. Well, we don't know if it's Neely. It's not Neely. But you don't think that, that was he, Don Sweeney's. You don't think that he said, "Hey, we no. need to get tougher." We need oh, to get that. Look, they, I'm sure they talk about we've got to get tougher. Of course, Don Sweeney's the guy who says, "Yeah, let's go get Zach Ronaldo for a third round." Pick. Uh, man, you get Dale hot on the Zero Pucks Given podcast. Don't dare blame Cam Neely. Yeah, that. It, but you were in backpedal mode too. You were like Deron Harmon there. Jeez, what? Well, I didn't know it was going to touch such a, such a nerve. I know. Jeez, who knew? Yeah, Zach Ronaldo. I mean, a little well, Zach Ronaldo criticism and Dale's hot. Well, I think that if you look at sort of that. 
that was what Sweeney's second or third move on the job. Basically, when they they go out and they spend a top ninety pick on Zach Ronaldo, that that reeked of of Cam Neely saying he wants to get this team bigger. Of course, and Neely tougher. was involved there. Why? Why? He's a part of everything. We were talking about Sagan in the first segment. That behind the bees, they. They put a lot of faith in Neely. They went to him for his opinion. He goes through the whole... I'm sure they take his advice on all this stuff. How can you not blame him? Yeah, I, I, that's that's the one move I look at and say, that makes no sense. And and now knowing what Don Sweeney has done uh, or seeing what he's done, I look at that trade and I say, there's no way that he made that deal. Maybe I'm just trying to convince myself that Sweeney's a lot smarter uh, than you know than, than I, fir- I thought when he first made that deal. It's just it's so hard to sit there and say, okay, that was all, that was all Don you know, given the way that he values picks and prospects. I, I would say it had to be some Cam and some probably ownership who wanted a player who was going to move the needle a little bit in terms of physicality, right? Just like, hey, we got to get people in seats, get people excited. And then Ronaldo's they, a... And then they immediately abandoned that, though. That, did, that's it why, weird, that's yeah. why it's just it a weird It didn't seem like trade. a Claude player for sure, right? Exactly. I mean, they wanted to make him a penalty killer. Do you remember that? Yeah. Claude was like, oh, he's going to kill penalties. I'm like, no, he's not, because you're going to be in the box because of him. So so what's the point? How how can he be a penalty killer if he's in the box? Like how bad was that season? You covered that season, and now you're defending the second That was 2015? No, I would say I would say that, that is the worst season out of all the seasons. Oh. Like, I've been doing this since 2010. Uh, Dougie Hamilton got moved. And- that was the worst season. You had you had Jonah, uh, Jonas Kempinen on your fourth line. You had yep. your big trade acquisition, I think, was Max Talbot. Yeah. I, I, or he was the year before. I, I forget exactly how it all broke down, but just a terrible, terrible they year. They still hung around and won like 40 games or something. They were that's still the in the mix, which is impressive. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, that's why we, we. But that speaks to their core and how good it still was that was able to carry that group. Yeah, and that's sort of, I think, what, what we're talking about is that that core that that was then, you know, Bergeron, Krejci, Marshan, Rask, Chara, those guys should all be, with the exception of Marshan and, and maybe Rask, those guys should all be looking really really old these days and they're not and i just think that that's why it comes back to me saying that, hey they may have made the right call here well ty's assessment i think to paraphrase is the bruins success this year allows you to sort of forgive them from for the sagan trade a little bit or move yeah. past that you're not as up you know i also want to note that i i look at sort of the pieces that they've identified as part of their future as part of that why you're able to accept it i think that losing sagan and and later on losing hamilton it forced this team to sort of reassess who they drafted, where they drafted them, and, and might have got Shirelli fired. Maybe that's a, a yeah, silver lining. You can look at it that way. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that he's traded both the number one and number two overall picks from the 2010 draft, which is pretty remarkable. I don't think anyone has ever done that in the history of the league before. So that's going to be pretty inter- but interesting. I, but I think historically, ten years from now, whatever people are not going to agree with you. They're still going to remember that trade as one of the worst in Bruins history, which based on strictly on the return, right? Yeah. No, and I understand that. I'm believe me. I, I just think that if and when Sagan develops into a superstar talent that is capable of carrying a team to the fourth round. I think the Bruins will be there, ready and waiting. I really do believe that that this team is set up for a long term success plan here. And and you know, does does Sagan ever hit that in Dallas? I don't know. It's unfair to say that though, because I mean, how many great players in the league over the years didn't win a cup? Even this year, Connor McDavid. You wouldn't say he's not a franchise player or a star. They're they're not no. doing well at Edmonton. It's not his fault. No, no, no. And 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 listen, that's not. You know, that's that. I think that's a different topic entirely. But I think that when you look at what they've built in Dallas, this team should not be as irrelevant as they are. I mean, this is sort of. I saw somebody on Twitter. Well, said, this is a free fall they're in now. It's unreal. Yeah, it, it's a. I, I forget who had. I think it was Bruin Stats had on Twitter that they said. You know, Tyler Sagan is sort of similar to Mike Trout, where like he's just in a wasteland. You wouldn't even know that that he's done what he's done out there because that team is just is is so wretched and it's a superstar that hasn't delivered. I think in 
you know, in terms of moving the needle on his own team, I think being a legitimate Stanley Cup. I think contender. last year he did. He the, that line with him and Ben was was roaring. They were considered the best line in hockey. And if they don't lose in seven games in round two, big if you know they're in the conference finals. And yeah, listen, I, listen they're a story. For, but for people think people that think I hate Tyler Sagan, and you know, I picked that team to make it to the third round this year, and, and I'm amazed that. I'm just I'm not seeing development. I'm not seeing the progression of 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 being a legitimate, you know, uh, even Clojureau has kind of had to change his game to be more team friendly if you will, more winning friendly, I guess. I'm just waiting for that light to go off with Tyler Sagan. Uh quickly before we get back to the uh, calls, it does look more and more like it's Toronto in round 1. If this plays out as it is, Bruins are 4 points back. They do have two games head to head with Tampa, but the schedule is much tougher for the Bruins. They've got five playoff teams left, including those two with Tampa. The only other tough game that the Lightning have is uh, Nashville at home on April 1st. So, assuming they face Toronto, this Leafs team got Austin Matthews back this week. He was out for 10 games or so. Uh, they've won 13 straight at home now. They had a beautiful game-winning goal last night to beat Detroit, uh, Marlowe to Kadri. They've got talent. How are you feeling now about a week later looking at the Leafs-Bruins matchup? Early size up, but... But still, it's looking like it's coming in a couple weeks. Yeah, I mean, if you're obviously we're talking this is like the the biggest if in the world. But if you're healthy, I still like the Bruins over that. I you look at this, I I, I fall into the whole. Oh, it's kind of scary that you only beaten them once in eight games of the Austin Matthews era. But then I look at it and I say, okay, well, you really want to break this year down. You should really look at the game in Boston, and then the game where the uh, the late goal happened there. They lose four to three. You got to look at those two games, I think, because those first two the Bruins were injured. They were missing half their roster. It felt like. Uh, so I, I look at the, the the first game in Boston and the last game in Toronto, and the Bruins played really well. They played well, well enough to win both those games. They obviously won one of them. I, I think that if you're fully healthy, you have the pieces to sort of match what the Leafs do. I really do believe that. I think they're deeper than Tampa in a way. They have good, Van, Van Riemsdyk's on their third line. He's their top goal scorer. The Matthews line is obviously good, and then the Kadri, Marlowe, Marner line is, is a force too. I, you do worry about their, their D. I don't think they're elite, but... That's that's what it comes back series, down to for me. Yeah. You know, because that's that's this team. But then again, how's McAvoy? How's Chara? When we get in, you know, you get into a series like that. Exactly, and and then I, I just look at it like if you get Rick Nash back in the first round, I mean, that is sort of is he out that long? No, 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 no. I'm just saying, like if if he's healthy and ready to go, we talked about this. You have two first lines, and, and if you can get that Polak and whoever it is pairing out there pinned in their own zone, and you can throw that line out there, and then follow it up with an offensive zone face off with the Bergeron line, it's going to wear them down, especially in Boston. I, I think that's. That's the big thing. If this were if this were reversed and the Bruins had to play in Toronto for games one and two, I'd probably look at it a little bit a little bit differently. But I think that the Bruins sort of having home ice in in this scenario, I think this really plays their advantage. Let's go to Freddie in New Hampshire here on Sunday Skate. What's up, Freddie? Morning, guys. How are hey. you? All the best to uh, Melinda and Eric Carlson. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, oh man, it's not a tough story. Yep. Sit. You know, you got to sit back and appreciate this week. I mean, they're doing it with smoke and mirrors. Seven guys down. Seven against guys against down. bubble playoff teams, Freddie. These are, are not bums. Well, Dallas is sort of a bad team right now, but they, good. They were down two goals going into the third period on Friday. Okay? They, they are out seven guys. Seven stars. Not just seven guys. And they still pulled it out with 11 seconds. I mean, you got to appreciate that week. And uh, Craigie, is he a tough hombre? I mean... But not to get me going on Sagan. Really, Sagan? <laughs> it's Kovalev. It's Kovalev. It's Kovalev. Chuck. Oh, Kovalev. Oh. I mean, come on. Sagan was here. 
okay, I understand. He's a kid. He's making millions of dollars. I understand all that. I'd probably be doing the same thing, but not when it came to the Stanley Cup finals. Not when it came to the Stanley Cup. Where was he? He's having a good he's time, Freddie. He's playing on the third line, and he couldn't even get a goal. I mean, come on, guys. You know, I, I, you, you <laughs> see all these goals he's scoring in Dallas, right? Do we see him? Do we see how many games that he goes without scoring? Did you he like the three goals? Two goals you? here. Then he maybe takes five games off. Lindy Ruff had to take him out of the, out of the game at the end of the year because he was messing up again. Okay, Sagan is Joe Thornton. Okay, Joe Thornton goes out to San Jose. He wasn't surrounded with the people in Boston. He goes out and scores all kinds of goals. What happens when it comes to the playoffs? He chokes. He made a cup final. Look at it. Okay, Sagan will be nothing. He, you know why I get so upset? Because he's so talented. So talented and he wasted. Was it a good he trade, wasted. Freddie? Did they get a good return for that trade? Did he get a good return? Yeah, because this team that they I, did? I see right here, when, when he left, things changed. Okay? Player-wise, no. He didn't get a great return. But he could not stay here because he was cancer. He's not. He, you can't have a guy on your team that has so much talent and the other guys see him take three or four games off. What's the incentive for them? Man, Freddie is fired up. He's I like, sent a check to him. Jeez. <laughs> Change the culture. People make Sagan out to be Aaron Hernandez. It's unbelievable. That how, he's just, he was a partier. Big deal. He, he hung out. It was a big deal. in the back bay a little bit. You're talking God about... God forbid he you're made si- some noise. You're sitting here. You're a, talking about this. Area. You're talking about this. This. Oh, well, you wasted the prime. You wasted the primes of Chara and Krejci and all these guys. Yeah, you did it with Hagen, too. You, besides 2011, you wasted that because that player couldn't get his head out of his ass. They made the cup finals. They were... Sure. And what did he do in the cup finals? <laughs> he did nothing. He got relegated to playing with, like... Casper Dogovins and Danny Pye because he played so poorly. It was poorly. a good Chicago team, you would admit, in hindsight. That was an excellent sure. team. It's a dynastic team they lost to. Sure. We're going to put it all seeing, in Sagan. When I'm seeing Brian Bickle outscore Tyler Sagan, i got a little bit of a problem there. That's I, have, amazing. I have a little bit the of a problem. scapegoat that this guy is. All right, final segment coming up Sunday, Scape, presented by Star Market, Ken Laird and Ty Anderson. A little bit of uh, Ryan Donato rewind this week. Uh, should talk about him. He was your number one star of the week on your uh, that was podcast Dale's. awards. Oh, was Mine your, was Hudobin. Oh, Hudobin, I like that. Uh, anyway, we'll, we'll talk about Donato. <laughs> is this smoke and mirrors, as one of the callers said, or is this guy going to be here for the for the hall for the playoff run? That's coming up on Sunday Skate. You're listening to Sunday Skate with Ken Laird from the Kirk and Callahan Show and WEEI.com Bruins writer Ty Anderson. Sunday Skate is brought to you by Star Market on Sports Radio WEEI. Up Marchand, plays it, Pasternak scores! David Pasternak swivels it around Kari Lightning. That may be a death blow for Dallas. 11.1 to go. The Bruins with an incredible free goal third period comeback. The understated Jack Edwards. Bruins got it done Friday night. We'll be back in action tonight. Uh, Minnesota and then uh, Winnipeg, right? Is yeah. Stop? Finish up the road trip and then back for Tampa. The week that was, uh, Friday night, not the Donato performances as we saw in games one and two, but he, what can you expect of somebody who's, he's 21, he's not a, as young as some others we've seen make their debut, but to jump from the level that he did right into the league, first goal of the game Monday, uh, pretty awesome, and eventually, what, two goals, two assists for the week. Mm-hmm. Uh, from what you've seen beyond just the, the two goals that he scored, is he going to stick? Will he be a playoff guy or is he 
in and out of the lineup. Maybe he gets a game in the first round, gets edged out. I mean, when DeBrusque's back, he's going to take his spot back, correct? Yeah, I, I, DeBrusque's had nothing to lose his spot. And at the same time, I don't think Donato has necessarily pushed him out of that second line spot there. I think the big guy to watch here is Heinen. You know, I think that if, if, if Heinen continues to struggle to produce and Donato is still chipping in on the power play here and, and is finding ways to, to play well, maybe if he's not if he's not recording points, you know, I think that's a big thing that can really change that dynamic. I think that if your third line is Donato, Nash, and Bacchus, oh, now you're really now you're a really deep team. Now 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 you are legitimately one of the deepest teams, I think, in the entire playoff pool. That'd be Donato beating out Wingles, Gianta. And Heinen, right? Yeah, you know, I really can't see Gianta playing in the playoffs right now unless he continues to kind of go back to what he was and or if he goes back to rather what he was in the beginning and finds a way to have, you know, multi-point games here. I, I really don't see him being in the playoffs because I think he, you, you maximize his ice time at like about 11 or 12 minutes. That's hard to do in the postseason with overtime games and what have you. Uh, Wingles, I think, is your fourth-line backup. You know, I think that if you lose one up at Chari, Corrali and Schaller. I think Achari, he's been playing a little bit banged up. I think you can make that case. So, you know, I think that they have backup in every position. So I think that Donato may be considered backup right now. Maybe he's not in it game one, but he could definitely be someone you turn to if Heinen goes oo for the first two games. The other buzz of the week from the Bruins came from the anti-Felger ad they keep running with the listen oh, to no one and the... Uh, that ad is so good. It's pretty good. And now, it speaks a lot of focus on the young guys there. You know, like this team has too many young players. That's one of the things... What Felger said in November or whatever that was, this team October. is done. It's the third week of the season. October, okay. Um, so if they go with Donato in a big role in the postseason, uh, if if obviously DeBrusque's going to be in there, Grizzlick's going to be in there, this team will legitimately be a bunch of young players being, playing significant minutes. That that I'll be surprised. I'm not sure I believe you. I think Giantha will play over Donato, but let's see. Let's see if they really do buy it and let the young guys go. Yeah, I mean, listen, Giantha's good on that second unit on the power play. You know, he, he's good in front of the net there. He's veteran know-how. I just, I, I don't know if you can really trust him to, to be what he was those first that first week to two weeks but in the postseason. Unless Cassidy's different, you, these NHL coaches are all the same. They get into the playoffs and they defer to the, uh, to the veterans. They just, they're afraid of somebody making mistakes, especially that time of year. Well, yes and no. I think that, you know, it, it's still time for these guys to prove themselves. I think that... You know, he's given DeBrus some late-game shifts. He's given Heinen some late-game opportunities. I mean, you know, I haven't seen... G- I saw Gianta out there in overtime on Monday, which I was a little bit surprised to see. But I think overall, I think he has trusted these young guys to, to sort of do their jobs. All right, Ty, good stuff. See you back for zero pucks given this week. And then uh, next week, we'll have a Tampa game to talk about. And one week left in the uh, season. Back at you next Sunday at 8 a.m. For the next Sunday skate, Volani and Hart coming up next. Breaking down the Tobin and Waddle acquisitions this week. Be some good tackle talk coming up. Who knows? I don't know what they're talking about. They talk about everything. Johnny Manziel to the Patriots. Yes, Manziel. They're going to off of Manziel. And uh, maybe some bees talk, too. Who knows? We'll see. Ken Laird and Ty Anderson. This is Sunday Skate. We're presented by Star Market here on Sports Radio, WEEI.